in the backfield. Russell looks, throws inside. Oh my God, it's picked off at the goal line. It's picked off by Gus Hedler. Intended for Lockett at the goal line. Oh my word, with 20 seconds left. Sorry, welcome back to uh, <laughs> welcome back to V and E Boston Sports Radio um, Thursday night episode here in Hamden. Uh, my name is Brennan Kelly, joined by Ethan Hurwitz, Michael King, and Seth Fromwitz. How we doing? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> For those of you who are rocking with us on this Thursday night, thank you so much. Uh, you know, busy schedules, and we had to move the show around, but you know, we got flexibility and we got a loyal fan base. So here we are on this. <laughs> You know, Thursday night. Thanks for tuning in. Shout out so, to our families. Yeah, yeah shout right. out to our <laughs> shout out shout out Tom King. Oh yeah, yeah. he said he's not, he said he's not going to be he up. He's, he's sleeping. Summer, but, uh, he's sleeping. He's an old head. Uh, no, give, give him a break. He's, be, my grandma's he's, listening. He's no. in his fifties. Give him a break. My grandma's listening. Yeah, because she's you know she's cool. She's dedicated. She is. She is cool. Shout out. to She's my got her priorities in order, right? Yeah. To be so fair, my shout out to my Mia and her all of her friends. Though to be fair, her, my dad's got to get up at like four in the morning every day. So it'll and the show will eventually be uh, out on the uh, yeah. internet on your podcast. We're getting there. We're getting on the there. Interwebs on the podcast networks. Yeah. Anyway, the inter the intercast. You know how we do it. So yeah, Patriots <laughs> get their first win of the season. Woo. You know, what an exciting day. And um, the team that they beat is currently playing right now. So Jets also get their first win of the season against the other team that's playing right now. So Very true. what are the chances what? of that happening? Uh, what? Great day for Seth, Mike, Ethan, and myself as our teams were able to win. Oh, um, Sunday was a great day. W okay. alert. Yeah, Sunday was decent, too. You know, it had its up and down. It, it was all right for the last... It was a rainy day here in uh, Hamden. It, it was. It was raining. Cleared up. It cleared up. And then you know, we'll we'll, do, we'll get to it later. I got to yeah, say yeah. the amount of emotions that I had in those final. It was ridiculous. You final two there. minutes. You. It was. Yeah. yeah you watching, weren't there. Watching Seth like, react was insane. It was. Uh, it was, it was, it was honestly making it was, me smile. It was like, because the game. Here. The game started because we were streaming it. Yep. The game cut out, and so Multiple he was times. he was trying to to figure it out. I missed the onside um, and he, kick. And he missed the onside kick. Um, but we had, we had on Twitter, we had saw that they had scored the big Corey Davis touchdown. Um, and I leaned over to Mike, and I was like, yeah, you're, you're going to need to see Seth's reaction. So Seth, who was, you know, on his phone, sort of tuned out, 
they score the touchdown, and then Seth perks up, and then he puts his phone down. <laughs> I was there that Davis. part. I was there I think it was like a 66-yard strike. The stream, uh-huh. And then the stream cuts out. The stream and, cuts and out. So as then they're guy, lining up for the oh, kick. Yeah. And, and then, then I go, oh, boy. On the ticker from the other TV that Corey Davis scored, and I go, Seth, you might want to watch and this. Then, and then I see on Twitter, it's the Jets recover the onside kick. Yeah. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. And so we were all frantically Media trying to put the game on. He he was trying to get it on so he could watch. I was trying to get it on so I could watch him Media watch. Right. And I it wasn't working. And I go, hey Seth, they just got the onside kick. And then he started freaking out. And then I'm he scored like, the touchdown and up. his I'm, his shirt came off. I'm like, no, it was already off. But like, I'm perking up. I'm perking <laughs> up, right? And then, you know, I, I forget who the pass was to, but they get but the play before. Like the play of the touchdown. Yes, sir. I'm I'm Was looking Garrett, at right? I'm looking Garrett, Garrett, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at Flacco line up and like ready for the snap. I'm like, this is either going to be picked off or it's <laughs> gonna be an absolute seed and it's gonna seal the game. <laughs> and I see him step back, right? And I'm thinking, All right, this is the scene. This yeah. is it. This is it. That's his chance. He throws it, I'm like, Is it? And then Garrett Wilson comes down with it. I'm like, Oh, I, I immediately like do laps around the. Board. Wasn't he an Ohio State kid too, Garrett Wilson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and then nice. he started doing the the OH. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I O the Ohio State. The Ohio the State. Anyways, University Patriots, Patriots won. Patriots also won. Um, obviously, we like to do pros and cons here. You know, first pro, I'll take it off the top is we did win the game, so you got to hit that one <laughs> the right on the head. But second um, pro, Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar being that deep threat that. He's being paid to be right um, with a with a uh, Sports Center top ten catch against uh, the Steelers. Um, Mac Jones threw it up there for him, and he went up and caught it. Nice yep. little finger roll into the end zone as well. Nice little touch on it. Yeah, it was sweet. It was finally the first time that he had probably broken out as a Patriot. Six catches, hundred and ten yards, and a score. Yeah, you'd love to see it. First receiver in Mac Jones's career. First receiver since the Jets Monday Night game with Jacoby Myers that a Pats receiver has. Um, over 100 yards in a game, and Jacoby Myers had 95, so they almost had two. Mm. But that's right. For such a yeah. greasy, grimy, hard-fought game. Yep. Pats had some pretty good statistical showings by two of their receivers. Jalen Mills had a pick. Right. Jalen Mills had a pick. Right. If you're looking for that video, you go over to B and E Radio on uh, TikTok, and uh, there's a nice little B and E cut up of that. Yeah, yeah. nice little cut up if you want the uh, nice zoomed in version. But <laughs> that's two pros and cons of the game. Cons of the game were probably Devonte Parker again, um, and I'll throw Kendrick Bourne in there. But just the overall production of Kendrick Bourne and Devonte Parker at this year, at the start of this year, has been disgusting. Kendrick Bourne has, you know had his issues with the the coaching staff and he got a significant uptick in snaps um instead of week one but Devontae parker has his his patriots highlight reel guess how long it is i'd say less than probably like 13 seconds nine seconds it's nine seconds and what is one catch catch. um and it was like a drag and he got patriots Devontae parker highlight reel after that's games. it. That's the only highlight he has. After so it's not a highlight reel. It's just okay. that's the only thing that he has. There's a highlight for the Dolphins because they tried to throw him a deep ball. Or not the and Dolphins, so that, yeah, the Steelers. That, that was my next point. Yeah, every time he's gotten thrown at, he's gotten picked off so far. Mac Jones has two interceptions this year, and both of them were deep passes to the end zone. Yeah. Minka, Devontae, to Minka picked Parker. one off last Minka game. Minka and uh, Javon Holland. Right, yes. So 
it's not been looking good for Devontae Parker. And Kendrick Bourne, you know, he got more snaps than he did in week one, but still he wasn't really factored in the game. And then speaking of who wasn't factored was the tight ends again. Hunter Henry's done nothing. Johnny Smith has done nothing. I'm sure that will come, but it's it's like you've put yeah. so much money in the bank for these it's two like tight ends. $50 million dollar contracts for like both, both of them. Both of almost. them. Yeah, and like... And you, they haven't produced when you sign John when you sign John Smith. John Smith was the highest paid position player in Patriots history in terms of the contract that they had given him. Um, because I remember that specifically because within like a twenty minute span they signed John Smith to be the most expensive offensive player they've ever signed, and Matt Judon was the most expensive defensive player. So to see them barely do anything on the field is sort of concerning. And at again, least Judon's panned out. It's week two, yeah. so how much stock are you really going to put into that? Yeah, and we were having a similar conversation of this last year where it's like they need to figure this out. You know, I think it's important to note that Janu has looked more involved this year. Obviously, he didn't play much of a part last year, but eventually it's going to have to hit or they're going to have to move on. And, like, they've been in the system long enough. I know we've, you know, we're running a new offense now, but that's a very good it's point. It's like once you get Johnny Smith the ball and he can make a play. He can make people miss. He can get a first He's very down. fast for a tight end. Right. But they're not giving him the ball. No. So, like, it's, it's, you, you're not, whether it's Josh McDaniels calling the plays, whether it's Bill Belichick, whether it's Matt Patricia, whether it's just Mac Jones in the huddle. But I think that they need to game plan more to give Johnny Smith more opportunities to run um, in open space and yep. just try to get in the ball. Because good things happen when the ball's in his hands, but they're barely putting the ball in his hands. But a lot, of, a big thing is, like, when it comes to the lack of, you know, desired offensive production from these guys, is the Dolphins and Steelers have a, fairly decent pass defense, right? Like, the Pittsburgh, I would say, has more of a well-rounded pass defense than Miami. They have better pass rushers. Uh, yeah, I'd say Pittsburgh has more pass rushers, and Miami has a better secondary. Right, so it's not exactly something to be like, oh, like, there's just no production at all. They're playing against formidable defenses. And me and Brendan were talking about this earlier at lunch. You know, Mac Jones, he's a good quarterback, but he's not an X-factor quarterback. He's not going to dominate and pick like pick every single defense apart like right. Brady was able to do. Like he's gonna get the job done for you, but it's not gonna be with amazing, phenomenal numbers. And I think that's exactly how Tom Brady's career started out. And again, mm-hmm. I know people hate saying that Mac Jones is like Tom Brady because they just um, automatically assume that that means you're saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady. They have but similar I think, tendencies. Right, the, I can the, see the where tendencies and, the, find the, and the play styles that they have on the field that early in Brady's career he was someone that relied heavily on the run game and mm-hmm. um, and play action. They had a good defense. And again, Brady was throwing for like 220 yards, a touchdown, a pick, but he was completing like 80% of his passes. And that's basically what Mac Jones does. And over time, Tom Brady, you know, got more adjusted into mm-hmm. the, the offense and, you know, throughout his career became a better quarterback and then was putting up 400, 500 yard performances. That's not to say that Mac Jones is going to do the same thing. But when you look at how they play or whatever, you can't just say Mac Jones isn't going to be an X factor, but you also can't say that Mac Jones is an X factor. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to take yeah. it year by year yep. um, because he's he has that same type of track that Brady was on. Again, not saying he's Brady, but it's it's like it's how Brady's career started out. So right. you can't and again, he's 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 going to he can only go up. Right. And those similar tendencies and similar play styles and looks and feels is exactly why they brought him in. Like, we saw them once Tom Brady left. They tried to go with, they had a different approach at the quarterback position and play style, and we saw that it didn't work out. You know, everybody was saying, is, you know, says, oh, all these teams passed on Lamar Jackson. 
the Patriots could have had Lamar Jackson. I don't think Lamar Jackson would be Lamar, the Lamar Jackson he is right now if he was on the Patriots. Because obviously, he would have been benched. He wouldn't play his first season at all behind Tom Brady unless Tom Brady got hurt, right? Which didn't end up happening. Exactly. So he would have been on the bench for a quite some time. So he would have essentially developed into just a backup quarterback. He wouldn't have the ability to become a talented starting quarterback. And, you know, Tom Brady, he's more of just a passing quarterback. But you try to incorporate more responsibilities and, you know, skills at that quarterback position, you're not going to see it work. You know, like when they brought in Cam Newton. Cam Newton isn't Lamar Jackson by any means, but in Cam Newton's prime... He walked so Lamar could run. Exactly. But in Cam Newton's prime, we saw him have... He had more of an athletic approach. He was able to, you know, scramble. He was able to move around. He was able to run, get you yards from scrimmage with his legs. With his legs, he was able to air it out. But when he came to New England, it just didn't seem to work the way they wanted him to work out, which granted it's a year weird it was a weird season, COVID season, obviously not many things are gonna work out, but you know, you you do that trial and error and you see somebody who resembles something that worked so perfectly for you, why not just why fix what isn't broken? Yep. And of course, uh speaking of Lamar Jackson uh, the opponent this week, obviously, um, the Ravens lost forty-two thirty-eight against Miami Dolphins. Um, the team Lamar, the Patriots lost two week one. Exactly. I have to um, note that Lamar in that game twenty-one of twenty-nine for a completion percentage of seventy-two point four, three hundred eighteen yards, three touchdowns. His longest pass going for seventy-five. He's looking like a really like more of a well-rounded quarterback rather than just a scrambler. I, I like that. And on top of the scrambler, of course, everybody likes to think of him that way, but nine carries, 119 yards, one of which a 79-yard touchdown run. And, of course, you know, going back to the passing, a passer rating of 142.6, which is very close to perfect. Yep. And, if you you know, you look at that situation, if Patriots had a hard time with the Dolphins week one. Um, I saw a report that said that the Dolphins blitzed Lamar quite a few times during that game. Um, he made him pay. And, yeah, he made him pay. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Pats handle this week. Um, I wouldn't say that the Ravens have a glorified, like, stud wide receiver. And, obviously, their running backs are still a little they're, hurt. Yeah, they're yeah. all right. You can make an argument that Bateman's kind of becoming that guy. Yeah, um, Devin Duvernay, too. He's been a, uh, so far, he's been a favorite target of Lamar, and obviously he's got a, he had a kick return touchdown to start that game. Yep. So he's a threat on, uh, you know, two of the three aspects of football right there. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep an eye out for him. Yeah. Um, the Patriots secondary is really going to need to lock in for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to need to be taking away the receivers. They're going to need to make Lamar Jackson win the game by himself. They're going to yeah. need to make him try to single-handedly win the game. Um, they put up 38 points against the Dolphins, who have a pretty solid defense, and they still lost. So that just, you know, that just shows us that, you know, the Patriots really need to be on top of their game yeah. for this one. Do we have any uh, predictions in terms of, like, how the Patriots' offense will work against the, you know, Ravens? They have a strong secondary. I mean, as Kyle Hamilton played up to where he was drafted. I know they have Mike Marcus Peters and yeah, um, Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. I haven't I haven't 
personally heard much about Kyle Hamilton yet this year, so I can't say mm-hmm. whether or not he's doing uh, very good or he, not. He was rough in training camp. But I do know that today the Ravens signed Jason Pierre-Paul. Yep. So I'm, I, I he, absolutely... He uh, I don't knows. believe so. I guess, I mean, obviously. I absolutely doubt he plays this weekend because, you know, they signed him the Thursday out from the game. Yeah. But even, you know, going forward, if we have to see them at some point, he's dangerous for anybody. He's sort of later in his career. And, I mean, what did he play for? The Bucks won Giants. a Super Bowl for them and played for the Giants and won a Super Bowl with them as well. So he's dangerous still. Um. Although I don't think we're probably going to have to be facing him, which is good. But, yeah. As well as the defense, the offense is really going to have to be executing, you know, almost perfectly. We just we can't have three and outs. We have to be able to get uh, hit our open guys. Parker has to make something happen this game. He has to take over. I mean, that's, I mean, that's I mean, what that's I got to say. It, it's yeah. going to need to be, a, just like last week, it's going to need to be a dog fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to need to make it look ugly. All right, and reflecting on that last game for the Patriots, who would you guys say is your offensive player of that game? Uh, against the Steelers? Yeah. Offensive player? Give me Nelson Aguilar for Aguilar. 200, please. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. that that's good. And then I'd I'm, say him and Jacoby are very close, considering yeah. he, what, he had nine for 95. I think so. Yeah, he, I mean, his hands are, like, he doesn't drop anything almost. He's... Such a reliable target, which is good for a guy like Mac Jones to have early in his career. But yeah, I'll give it to Aguilar. And yeah. heading into this game against the Ravens, who do we think is going to be that 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 guy that's going to bring him over the edge on the offense? I think side? they need to attack with the tight ends. So either of the two, I think, will be. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's probably going to have to be Johnny Smith. I think if you get both of them involved, um, regardless of if they're catching the pass, they just need to be out there. Because those are big body guys and catch the ball and can get yards after the yeah, catch. They need to be making the Ravens think. I, I want to see, I've been saying this for a season plus now. I want to see multiple, multiple uh, drives where they have, they're running uh, two tight end sets. I need yeah. to see them stay out on the field, you know, for consecutive plays. Mm-hmm. They need to make the defense think, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, obviously not to, put down the Patriots offensive playbook and the way they run the offense. But if you look at other teams that would have theoretically Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith in the team, I feel like they'd be used a little bit more efficiently. I feel like there'd be plays where they're like, they're always on the field. Like those are your players. You're paying the most money to be in the game. Like, I don't understand why we're not like, well, Jordan Humphrey got a, you know, a catch in the last game, but Hunter Henry and possibly even Johnny Smith didn't get any. So um, I think for that, just that part of the Patriots offense, it needs to be fine. Hopefully, we'd be able to get Kendrick Bourne involved, but obviously, you don't really know. Uh, yeah, we don't really know the, the internal situation on that, with him and but, um, Patricia at the moment. But, anyways. Yeah, so that's about it for the Pats. Um, we're going to hit on baseball for a little bit, and then we're going to pay a tribute to um, a big name, but we'll get right into it. So, um, obviously, the Red Sox haven't been doing much, but uh, they just the dropped Yankees have been. They dropped last night to the Cincinnati Reds, Reds 5-1. to one. And as it stands right now, the Red Sox are tied with the Yankees after eight innings, four to four. So, yeah, yeah they four just came four. back. Oh dang! I just went before I when I first looked at it, it was four. Um, four. What happened? Everybody Harrison knows. Bader. Everybody knows Aaron Judge, of course, who is on the verge of making Major League Baseball history, 
Seth, you want to take that away for a second, considering you're the Yankees fan? Yeah, so it's pretty cool to watch. You know, Aaron Judge is easily, whether he gets to the 60 mark or not, he's probably having one of, if not the best offensive seasons Maybe in of all time. I see, I see Ethan's aggressively. It looks he's, like Ethan's like a two-year-old that just ate a lemon for the first time. <laughs> That's me when he, I eat yeah. lemons anyway. Uh, Barry Bonds in 73 is never going to be touched ever. Oh, no, certainly not. But I mean, he's from a home run standpoint, like, I mean, Barry Bonds easily, you know, takes the cake. I, I'm not saying that, you know, Barry Bonds is career or like that season alone wasn't impressive but i i don't think because let me see what that that season this is a regardless this is a historic season right probably a top five offensive season from any player in the history of the game i would say yeah oh easily in my opinion if they were to Give the MVP to Otani this year. I think that's an absolute joke. I'm an Otani guy. I listen. I, I understand what he's doing for the game, being a two way player, but you cannot pass up what Aaron Judge is doing. Otani, and this is coming from a Red Sox. Fan. Otani is the best player in baseball, without a doubt. But when it comes to most what valuable. being the most valuable player is, it's it's Aaron Judge. Without Aaron Judge, the Yankees, the Yankees are, are nowhere exactly. near touching the playoffs. They nobody would even think that the Yankees would be making the playoffs. Because you think of, oh, the Yankees are making the playoffs, especially with the season Aaron Judge is happen- having. Otani's having the season he's having, and the Angels are far They were eliminated from, like a week ago. Exactly. Right. They haven't, they had to go, they went through a manager change. Their owners, I believe, is st- actively starting to look to sell the team. You know, you have two of the yeah, best right. players on the planet and the like, two generational Probably need two best players in the league. Exactly. And they were eliminated. Last week, right? Aaron Judge is doing what he's doing. The Yankees are, I believe, they're still in first place. Uh, yeah, they are. They're in first place in the East. You know, they're about a, they're close to winning the division. I believe they either, I believe they clinch a playoff spot officially if they win tonight or if Baltimore loses. So I, I think tonight, one way or another, the Yankees are going to clinch that playoff spot. So... And on top of that, of course, he's chasing um, Roger Maris, right? Exactly. 61 mark. Right now he's at 60, Mm -hmm. which is unreal to even say that a player has 60 home runs. But um, he's got, what, a little under 20 games left to do this? I think it's very much. Very, very very possible possible. that he, you know, very possible that he passes it and some. You know what I mean? And speaking of. uh, Unless, unless. He's pitched to the way the Red Sox are pitching him tonight. He's 0-for-1 with three walks. Hey, I mean... I mean, it's certainly helping with keeping the batting average up there, not, you know... Certainly at least he's not 0 for base, 4, you know what I mean? Exactly. Certainly boosting that on-base percentage, but I mean... Are they four-pitch walking him, or are they just, like, not... Is it just a coincidence? Uh, that's, I, I highly doubt three not. walks is a, is a coincidence, but... The way that the Red Sox relievers pitch, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, and especially, I mean, because the Sox are still technically not eliminated, so you're trying, they're trying to at least make it seem like they're still fighting for a spot. So if they're trying to... It's like saying OJ is technically not guilty. Okay, but like... (laughs) But like, they're still mathematically in it, right? So if you're still mathematically in it, trying to stay mathematically in it, I mean, you're not really going to just 
pitch to judge because yeah. that's that would be the that's, thing. That's who's gonna beat you. Like I saw a stat earlier today from on uh, MLB's Instagram. Aaron Judge has forty eight home runs in the games that they win. So more often than not, if Aaron Judge is hitting a home run, the Yankees are gonna be winning the game. Right, so how how do you prevent that? You you just don't you, you pitch around them. You don't let them hurt you. Which I mean is smart, but like, come on, it sucks to see that. I want to I want to see Aaron Judge hit a bomb. <laughs> but um, of course, speaking of home run hitting, a, another legend in the sport, Albert Pujols. He's had six hundred ninety eight career home runs. He is two home runs shy of being just the fourth player in Major League Baseball history to reach that 700 mark. And I think I can speak for everyone who is a fan of baseball when I say we hope he gets it. Oh, absolutely. I don't know a single person who is anti-Albert Pujols, and I don't know why somebody would be. But And it's also crazy to see everybody knows this is his last year, the season's winding down, the Cardinals are a good team too, who have likely the National League MVP on their roster and Paul Goldschmidt, and he's hitting clutch home runs, too, in the eighth and ninth innings to help his team win games. He's still being productive, and he's making history. I think he's, what, fourth all-time or fifth all-time? Or not fifth all uh, he's, he's up there, though. He very, yeah. But, you know, I he's very good against those left-handed pitchers, and they're in L.A., and back-to-back they got Andrew up against Andrew Heaney and Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers, but, I mean... If I'm Pujols looking at those, currently. if I'm looking at those numbers Pujols has had this year against left-handed pitchers, I'm, you know, not to say I'm I'm going to encourage betting here, but I mean I, we I, do not encourage I'm, underage gambling. No, whatsoever. absolutely not. But if I were, Stands if I were kids. somebody of age, in the illegal state, I I I wouldn't. Would be I, I'd man. like I'd like those chances of Judge. You know, I mean no. Pujols, Pujols, you know, maybe, maybe hitting, maybe hitting a couple, maybe yeah. probably not a couple in, in that series. He's in something, but they're they're in LA. Got to be tough, but they're facing a couple lefties. Then they move to Milwaukee, which he's not facing Corbin Burns, so he's it's good there. And then they finish the season with a home and away against Pittsburgh. Six games against Pittsburgh. That's that's it, easy money. It's it should be hopefully. Should be, and I'm looking at this. Then the tickets in Pittsburgh. You want to see Pujols hit a uh, maybe six ninety nine, maybe seven hundred. Beautiful eight ballpark. Eight dollar tickets. Eight it dollar is tickets. a great ballpark. I have been there before. Very nice view. Uh, love the color yellow out there. Yeah, I, I want to take. It looks it, yellow in Pittsburgh. Very, yeah, it goes very much. To it's that. it's a beautiful park. Uh, river goes right between you know behind it. Um, just yeah, a nice, it's a nice complex. Um, I want to take this of next. Yellow, of course. Yeah, speaking of yellow, I want to take this next moment to honor um, former Bruins captain Zdeno Chara on retiring um, as a Bruin. Signed a one-day contract this past week to retire with the team that he played for 14 seasons as his captain of. Um, he's been the oldest defenseman in NHL history to score a game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup Finals um, at 42 years old and 30 days. So. I can't really talk about how much Chara meant to me uh, without keeping us on this show for like the next four to five hours. Um, he's my man, tallest NHL you know player ever, sitting at six nine. Hardest recorded shot too at the time. Yep, honestly, just 
1,600 games, 209 goals, 471 assists. Um, the leadership he brought to the Bruins throughout his time, uh, the different the different eras of the you know the roster that he saw, whether it was you know when he first joined the team back in 2006 to you know making the cup, winning the cup in 2011, and you know various other cup runs throughout his very successful career with the Bruins. I don't think the Bruins are put in half the positions there without his leadership. And obviously you have Patrice Bergeron in that locker room as well. But, you know, it starts at the top and it trickles down. And I really think they go hand in hand with the success that this team has had. Uh, I really think that Chara will go down as probably one of the greatest, you know, Bruins defensemen in history. You know, obviously he's such a unique player. Um, The leadership, the captain, and just his ability to command the ice when he's out there. you know, is enough for me to just look at him as just a complete Bruins legend. So, you know, thanks for everything, Chara. And yep. it was tough watching you actually, uh, you know, call it a call it call it a day. So, any thoughts on that, fellas? Um, I don't exactly remember the year or the series, so pardon my ignorance. But um, I do remember. It was playoffs, I believe, when he broke his jaw. Yeah, I was just about to say that. that was played the, the Stanley with Cup a game. wired shut jaw, and I, I think he was wearing a cage. Obviously, he was. Yeah, I never forgot that. That's what it means to be a leader. Right? Giving me chills Set, right now. Setting yep. an example for the rest of the team. You know, of course, back in 2011, if you don't have uh, Zdeno Chara on your roster, or not, maybe it wasn't 2011, but whatever, uh, Gregory Campbell shattered his leg blocking uh, 11, that shot. Yeah. Yep. If Chara's not on that team and he's not your captain, I don't think he tries to even stay in the game. Yep. Because everybody was talking about how Campbell, you know, oh, he tried to finish his shift and then he skated off afterwards. And he was on there for like a solid minute after he broke his leg. Yeah. Um, I don't think he does it without Chara. I remember seeing it was... Uh, about that Stanley Cup game where he had like a broken jaw, that he was, was the, he was up all night, like right, in yeah. tears because of how much pain he was. And then he was like, you know what, I'm gonna go play Game Seven. So it's that's you know, that's such a baller move for someone and tallest player in NHL history. He used to have the the hardest shot in NHL history. He's such gonna, a nice guy too. He, he thirty three is gonna be retired. It will never be worn. It is retired by the Celtics. It will never be worn again by the Bruins. He will be inducted into the 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 Hockey Hall of Fame without a doubt. Thirty three is one of those numbers in Boston where it's just if you wear it, then you're going to do great things. Obviously, the Patriots have had some decent guys with thirty three, but you look at Veritek, Larry Legend, and Zdeno Chara wearing the thirty three. That's just one of those numbers that's correlated with Boston. Those are all captains right there. Leadership and that, right there's there. a reason for it, you know. Yeah, that number means a sh- uh, it means a lot to the city and the fans. Um, you know, to touch one more time on that 2019 Stanley Cup game that he played with a broken jaw. There's a shot of him standing on the ice, and you know, there's hundreds of reports saying that you know that was the loudest that anyone had ever heard TD Garden when they announced him over the loudspeakers. You know, your captain number 33, Zdeno Chara, and he's standing out there with a broken jaw about to play for a Stanley Cup championship and I think that just sums up you know what he meant to this team and the fan base and you it know just shows you how much the game meant to him as well yeah so how much he really wanted it you know we're gonna go to a quick commercial break and this next song's for Chara what a beautiful song that is uh with Taylor Hawkins passing recently uh there's been a bunch of great tribute concerts for uh this one tomorrow too yeah so Foo Fighters great tomorrow. band we thought it was very fitting for uh a tribute to the captain but um Late last night, Celtics news broke that head coach Ime Udoka would be facing a possible suspension due to internal issues going on within the team. 
Um, as a Boston Sports Radio, we felt that it was respectful and responsible of us to address it in a way that um, is didn't non-biased. Come off, didn't and come off as insensitive. That's also part of the reason why we're on on a Thursday night <laughs> right. rather than Friday because we did want to hop on this. But, we are, um, yeah, so we're going to do our best report on what happened yeah. according to the reports released by NBA insiders and we'll go into a little bit of how we feel this is going to affect the team moving forward. So yeah, um, 21 hours ago, Sham Sharania of uh, The Athletic, you know, me and me and my good friend Ethan to my left here, we're just hanging out last night and we got these tw- uh, Twitter notifications, right? We were shocked. Quite. So Sham says, Celtics coach Ime Udoka had an improper, intimate, and consensual, that is important, consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. It's been deemed a violation of franchise's code of conduct. So obviously, he broke the rules. We were shocked because at first, you know, we weren't sure what to think of it. At first, we were like, oh, what do you do? Did he, like, kill somebody? Like, what, you know, what now? Uh, very interesting. Nothing, nothing like it before for Boston sports. I can't even really remember a scenario where this has really happened in sports at all. Mm-hmm. But... um. Yeah, we were definitely caught off guard. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was something that I was not expecting on a 10.30 on a Wednesday night. Um, it was even later than that, I think. It's like 10.35. Um, but, I mean, yet again, another Celtic season that cannot be normal. Um, you know, just Gal- after. Gallinari uh, gets hurt. Williams right. needs surgery. Now Ime Udoka. Every year this happens. Um, so, fantastic once again. Um, Brennan, were you trying to, Seth, were you trying yeah, to? And then about an hour ago, you know, Shams went out and tweeted at 922 on September 22nd, you know, um, that the Celtics were suspending Ime for the entire 2022-2023 season, which is, that's 82 games, correct? That's 82 games it plus 82 playoffs. Games plus playoffs. Yep. So it's certainly, to my knowledge, unprecedented. It's very... It's an awkward situation, and at this time, mm. you know, details have not been released. They may not be released. You know, all that can be going around right now is speculation. We will not do that. Our goal here is just to, you know... Just report the facts. Report what's out. You know, the only thing we'll speculate is... We are journalisms. Right. <laughs> the only thing we'll speculate is maybe how... this. All, all we'll speculate is about how the Celtics are going to finish... Currently, mm-hmm. especially the guys that are in the locker room, yep. the guys that are on the court, you know, it certainly shakes it up. Yeah. You know, the approach that the team is going to have, the interactions that they're going to have. But, you know, for the first I don't think I, don't, I think I don't I think he's done. I don't think you can wait a whole year and then just bring him back. It's, I, I really don't you mean I for think, the Celtics for the Celtics. I yeah. think this is and I think I I I, I think that. They're, they didn't fire him, um, and they're not letting him resign because I think immediately the Nets would hire him. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Celtics were like, we don't want you as the coach this year, but we also don't want you to coach for anybody else this year. And I think that's why it was a suspension, not a firing slash mutual, m- yeah. mutual parting of ways. And that mm-hmm. is important, too, because he was not punished by the NBA. He's right. punished it was the by Celtics the Celtics only. And so at first on Twitter, we were like, maybe it's like, 
he was tampering with KD. Maybe he was like going behind the team's back and talking with other teams. Maybe he was, you know, like a fake vaccination thing. Mm-hmm. All of those punishments would be coming down from the league. Yep. It was a Celtics only thing, and it was, it was, it was going against um, team policy, team policies, and the, like the rules that the team has. Mm-hmm. So it was something that, like, obviously was Celtics specific, and it was, you know. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was very surprising. Unlike anything we've ever heard before. Right. Yep. Uh, we're definitely not going to buy into the speculation because obviously lots of theories form about all types of things in sports. Um, you know, all we know right now is what is being reported by trustworthy sources such as Shams and Woj. Um, Bleach Report uh, reposted from the Celtics official Twitter account that uh, the future of the relationship between Ime and the Celtics um, is a decision that would be made at a later date. So all we know right now is he's suspended for this season uh, to build upon what Ethan said and to kind of focus on this team moving forward. I think in any situation where the coach is out of the picture for a year and is brought back in, regardless of why he's not in the picture, it's just hard to kind of get back to that coach's ways because obviously every coach in any sport has a unique sense of like the way that they run their operation, the way they run their team. So for the next season of this Boston Celtics group that just made the finals, they're going to be under someone else's um, yeah. you know, coaching. And right now it's the assistant has been bumped up. Um, uh, Joe, Joe Mazzula, who um, I believe is 34 years old. Very um, young guy. You know, he will have to just kind of take with the situation he's in and move forward. Um, Mike was mentioning earlier that there is speculation that they might bring in former head coaches of other teams. Frank Vogel was one of the I names saw I that saw. on Twitter. Former, um, former uh, Lakers, Magic, Magic, and Indiana Pacers head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I think nobody knows better than the Celtics what they have in that organization, um, regardless of position, uh, if it's a player, a coach, or a staffer. But um, I think it's important to address what happened today, and it'll definitely um, affect the team moving forward. That is, uh, yeah, that is one thing I would I wanted to sort of touch on is, um, you know, how how do you think the players you know might react I to was that? Gonna, yeah, I was going to say that th- it stings because Emir Doka was like the player's choice. Yeah. It was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were basically the ones that hired him. Yeah. They were the ones that they had played with him That's for like right. Team USA. They had gone against him when he was with the Nets um, and the Spurs, and he was mainly he was that guy that the the core of your team wanted to coach he had the locker room and he, he did a phenomenal job he was that too. guy that could basically rip into the team and the team wouldn't think less of him they would just respect him more for it and so he was the perfect coach for this team you know you were two wins away from the nba finals championship and it's just who knows what the players think now because this was the guy that they wanted to have um yep and now it's not not now now they're going to be playing under a coach that honestly and they, now we don't know if he'll ever coach in the NBA again. That's right. another thing too. I've heard reports that he's not expected to retire from coaching, but um, you never know at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a situation that we don't want to um, jump the gun on and predict how the future is going because obviously sports in general are very unpredictable at any you know in any situation, but. You know, as of right now, the Celtics are moving in a new direction um, after, you know, having a successful first year with the situation they had last year, making the NBA finals and getting within two games of winning that winning yeah, the finals. So he was a huge part of that. You know, it's unfortunate, so. but the team is going to have to use their, 
you know, chemistry that they have with each other to move forward in a way that will keep the team positive and locked in and understanding of the goals that they are capable of achieving moving forward. This is um, also a huge chance for uh, the new head coach as well. Um, yep. You know, he could make a name for himself here. If the Celtics do decide to bring Udoka back for the 23-24 season, Missoula could get himself a contract somewhere else. Yeah. So. So. And, um, you know, this could have been Will Hardy's spot too had the uh, Jazz and uh, uh-huh. their former head coach uh, not part ways. Yep. But, um, well, we're just going to have to move forward with what we have, the information we have. Um, obviously, we're going to keep up to date with the Celtics this season, um, and we'll just try to do our best to balance everything that's going on in a respectable and, you know, a way that we're telling the truth, uh, using facts and making sure that we are not reporting anything that is speculation. Right. So that's all we had tonight for B&E. Uh, thanks again for tuning in for season two. I know it's a serious topic that we just covered, but that's how times get sometimes. So we appreciate you guys staying with us. Patriots, Ravens, Sunday afternoon, Jets, Bengals, two great games. Our our, very obviously our games of the week. So. We'll be at that Patriots at game. game. So That's why I'm going home. So uh, follow uh, Herwitz Sports on Twitter if and you haven't already. And uh, I'll be posting stuff on b yep, Exactly. We'll be, uh, follow those two I'll probably accounts. be retweeting everything that Ethan puts out um, right. as we both. Oh, oh, hold on. My dad just texted me another breaking news for b and thing. Oh, breaking news. Oh, Again, Again last time. Here we go. We'll break it over air. Again, last time he broke it was field passes. Right. Um, like, who knows if he's kidding. This is a surprise every oh, week. damn it. <laughs> he just sent a picture of him beating me in fantasy last week. <laughs> Final score. Wow. He, put up he lost by I lost, 70. I lost 221 to 148 because he had Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill. Oh. Holy crap. I had in one of my, in um, my brother's uh, school league, they needed an extra guy, so they brought me in, and I had Mark Andrews, Tyree Kill, and this Tampa defense. All three of them combined put up 92. There you was, go. That's it insane. was wild. And my opponent had Stefan Diggs. Did not come Didn't close. Matter. Did Didn't not matter. Did not and, yeah, um, Josh Allen got benched in the third quarter, which basically sealed my win against Seth. I'm 2-0 in the league <sighs> yeah. that everyone doubted me. So, oh, well. Now you're facing the vampires. Anyways. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Once again. Thank you all for listening tonight. And whenever you decide to listen to this, once it's on air, uh, elsewhere. But uh, yeah, hopefully this weekend. Yeah. I'm yeah. working on it. Well, guys, um, for the people listening live, we do appreciate, appreciate it. it. We we always appreciate it, whether it's live or on the podcast. <sighs> yeah. But That's especially right. tonight, very yeah. last minute. And we're going very to um, hope for a more upbeat and exciting yeah. episode next week. Yep, so, next Friday, four p.m. We'll be back regular hours, um, and we'll have a ton to talk about. I mean. With football season getting into the going, you know, basketball and hockey are coming up. Quinnipiac hockey starts soon. Quinnipiac basketball Very starts soon. We've got some great things to talk about. And, you know, we're going to be doing so much great things this year. We've got a bunch of stuff in the works that we're really excited to be able to do with our fans and our future fans that aren't really aware of who we are yet because that's how stuff goes. You've got to make new fans, got to make new friends. So <laughs> thanks again for listening to Red episode Talks two. Just the game, by the way. So they lost. Oh, yeah. Josh Donaldson. Singles to left field. Marwin Gonzalez. Former scored. Red Sox. Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez yeah, that's, scored. That's a good. That's a good place to end it. Also, final cheater from these final thoughts. I'm, I'm hungry. Ethan is going right. to get his burger. So we're wrapping up right now. <laughs> I gotta get my burger in like ten minutes. Yeah, you can go scoot right now. <laughs> yeah. Go get out right. of here. Thanks again we'll for tuning in. We'll this has again. been episode two, season two. Thanks again. Much love. It's time to be real. Mm-hmm.